Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 105 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co host, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. 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 This is our <laughs> um, our first off-season podcast officially, although the 2021 MLB season continues, but the Mets are not a part of it. <laughs> as per usual. Uh, as per usual. Um, despite the fact that they spent 103 days in first place, they finished with the worst record of any team to ever spend that much time in first place. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, belabored that point over and over of like what went wrong, what might happen in the future. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot about all of that in future pods as we go through the off season. Um, but for a fun, po- a more fun and lighthearted post mortem. So we don't work ourselves into a tizzy, I guess, which we might do anyway. <laughs> Who knows? You know, this podcast Can I just say. I was listening to my Spotify the other day and um, New York Groove came on and I was like, (laughs) only the Mets. Like, I remember going to the game and being earlier in the year and being so desperate to hear that after a year of not hearing it. And only the Mets could kill that vibe of not being in this stadium for a full year and being so excited to go back and like, like to the point where I cried the first time I walked into City Field and then to get to where I was like completely checked out by the end of the year. Like how did the Mets kill that vibe? 
It happened very th- fast too. And it I was going to say, there's a very, 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 I think obvious marker where that happened. Yeah. And that was July 7th when Jacob deGrom went down and didn't come back. Yeah. It's just, it's so frustrating. Cause I was, I was so excited. I purposely made sure to get my vaccine early so I could go to the, like an early game, like early in the season. So I'd be fully vaxxed so I could go in May and I planned out my outfits. I bought special Mets masks. I was so pumped. I was like, I get to hear Narco finally. I get to hear taking, um, I get to hear New York Groove again. You get to hear Piano Man again. No. <laughs> I, was, I, had to, I had to troll you a little bit there. I was five and oh, I was so excited. I saw my first double header and. I checked out in July. I don't understand how it just, like you said, it all went downhill so fast. I was also undefeated at games that I attended at City Field in person. I was not undefeated at in-person baseball games this year. Far from it. But I was undefeated at home at City Field this so year. It's I did not, not see a so loss. It's not, a part it's not of our fault. fault. No, not on us. Elsewhere. I don't even think I went to a game at City this year. I don't think you I did didn't. either. No, no yeah, I didn't. I went to a couple of games at Nationals Park, though. Yes. And I'm pretty <laughs> some sure fabulous Maggie, people. I'm pretty sure Maggie's undefeated, too. So yeah, between was. all of us, we're undefeated at City Field. So yeah, mm, I don't understand. What was, uh, I mean, the Mets, the Mets did have a really good home record. That's it. Yeah. Even yeah. in the end, like even even despite the fact that they played poorly in the second half overall, they still ended up with a, a winning record at home by like a lot. So it was mostly the road games where they were really bad. Um, and I saw plenty of evidence of that. <laughs> well, and I also um, heard Simple Man and burst into tears like a normal person. Uh, oh, I mean, like I uh. it, that's when it hit me because like the first time <laughs> I went back to City Field since the pandemic was a Jake start. And oh. when they played Simple Man, I cried. I was like, oh, my God. But of course, things. When I heard the end. first oh. notes of Meet the Mets greeting you in the rotunda, it was it was over. Yeah. <sighs> and then, you know, it was such they a did... hopeful time. Back it was a hopeful night. time. It was a hopeful <laughs> when time. hopes were high and life worth living. And yeah. we were so, so young and innocent. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. We, we thought that things would be good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then anyway. the Mets matched. And then the Mets Mets. As um, per usual. <laughs> so I thought a more cheer- potentially more cheerful way to do this postmortem rather than, you know, like cash out many things that we've discussed on the show before about what might have gone wrong is, um, you know, uh, John Harper of SMY gave each player a grade um, for the 2021 season. And I thought it would be fun if we kind of did that, like more than one bets writer does this, you know, like the beat writers tend to do this or the columnists tend to do this. Like every off season, they assign grades and it's kind of a rote or like cliche thing to do, but I think it might be a fun, like it's a more entertaining podcast than just like talking about what went wrong. So I figured assigning each player a grade might be fun. And Linda, at least so Kelly Ann and I have read this Harper article. Linda has not. So she doesn't know the grades that Harper assigned each player um so i figured we'd go around i would i would name the player linda could give a grade and maybe like a quick explanation of the grade kellyanne could do the same and then i could do the same and i'll tell i'll tell i'll tell people what harper said about it does that sound good all righty cool let's do it yeah i'm totally i'm going to this blind so hit me with it so first up is the simple man himself jacob Degrom. 
Okay, wait, what, what's the rating scale? So it's like, you know, like letter grades in school. Oh, it's letter grades. Okay. It's letter so grades like in school okay. and like pluses and minuses are a thing. Um, I mean, even with the injury, you got to give him an A+. Plus. Yeah, when he was healthy, he had a 1.08 ERA. Yeah, I don't think how <laughs> you could like fail him. <laughs> So Kellyanne, what would you give him? I would also give him an A plus because he was on track for um, quite the historic season. Um, And also he still has the highest BWAR and the highest FWAR for the season amongst all the players. Yeah. I mean, if you extrapolate it out, if he had been healthy, he would have had like a nine war season, like more, probably more. Which is wild. I mean, I like think nine more is what he had in either 19. 18, I believe it was 18. 18 he had 10 okay. at some point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, he might have had another 10. Better. Yeah. Um, but I mean, one can't necessarily assume that even if he was healthy, if he would have been that good. The whole oh, no, it was nine in 2018. My bad. Yeah, it was nine. seven the next year. It would have been it would have been clo- clo- it would have been nine again. If he had been healthy, mm. um, I guess I'll like, I don't know. Like you can't like, to me, I can't give a perfect a because of the injuries, even though I know they aren't his fault, but like him going down is a significant part of what caused the team to not be good <laughs> in the second half, which is not his fault again, but like, it's hard for me to just like smack the a on him for half a season. So I'll go a minus. I mean, Harper gave him an incomplete, which I think is unfair. That is unfair. Um, Because he did like, he did, you know, pitch a significant number of innings. It's not the, it's like, I would give Dellen Batanzas an incomplete. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, but I, I see it sort of from his side though, because it was still half a season. There's a whole body of time in there that just, he didn't play. Yeah. Which is so why I, found, I, I find it hard to give him an A plus or yeah. an A, but like, I don't know if I can give him an incomplete either because it was still enough of a season. Like if he'd only yeah. made like three or four starts and then was hurt, like, like I would say Noah Syndergaard gets an incomplete. He made two appearances. Yeah. So like, you know, that's an incomplete to me. Like the amount that Jake pitches pitched was too much to just slap the incomplete on him. Like, yeah. Would. <sighs> Carrasco get an incomplete because him and Jake probably pitched uh, uh, about the same amount. They just Jake was the first half and Carrasco was the second half. It's funny because he does oh, not ho. give Carrasco an incomplete. An incomplete. Oh ho. ho. So oh, I mean, ho, ho. I get Carrasco was there at the end, but it probably comes out to be a similar innings pitch. Consistency, I mean, Harper. You don't have it. Let's I compare mean. their innings pitch, shall we? Fangrass. <sighs> Let's look at how many innings they pitched. Um, so DeGrom made 15 starts and pitched 92 innings. Let's see okay. Carrasco. In the meantime, I'm not sure which batter just got a double off of Garrett Cole. Cole's not doing too well, is he? I know, it's giving me life. Carlos Carrasco made 12 starts. And pitched mm. 53 and two-thirds innings. Well, so, then. So mm. how come Jake gets an incomplete and Carlos Carrasco doesn't? Does not. That's very yeah. unfair. I mean, like, I understand. Like, 
it's a very di- I, it's a very different thing. Like Jacob deGrom is your ace and you like basically the team was never like you need him. Otherwise, the team's going to fall apart. And that's what happened. As we like, saw. Jake yeah. is irreplaceable, whereas Carrasco is not exactly that. But like people forget, like I know that like the Lindor trade is the Lindor trade for a reason. But like Carrasco wasn't just some throw in. He was like a big no. deal to get in He's that. Legit. trade, And he was supposed to be like their number three starter. Yeah. And like it was supposed people to be were like slotting him in immediately. Yeah. yeah. It was supposed to be like Jake, number one, Stroman, number two. And Carrasco number three, based on his body of work. And he like didn't pitch until the second half of the year and until like August. So like, I I don't know how you can slap the incomplete on one of them and not the other. I would not slap an incomplete on either of them. They both know they both have put to me had enough starts to get grades, whereas someone like Syndergaard did not. But anyway, that's like, you know, agree. Okay, so that's Jacob deGrom. We give a a a minus to Jake. Um, and then, okay. So the next player up is Marcus Stroman. Um, I would give him, let's see what Jake went down. He had a lot to carry. He had a good season, especially not after pitching last year. I would give him a solid a, not a plus, not a minus just a you Kellyanne. I would also give him an a just because he, basically had to step into very big shoes and he really held this team for for what it was he held this team to the best of his ability um i really loved his pitching he's obvi- he obviously doesn't have the sharpness and the um what's the word He's not an ace in the sense that Jacob deGrom is an ace. He's not but no dominant. one's an ace. In but the no sense one's that an Jacob ace. DeGrom is it's an ace. ace in the sense of deGrom. Cause I like, he's, he was just good. And I would give him an A. He's so, um, he's just supportive off the field too. And I love that. And that factors in a little bit. So yeah, I, I give agree. him an A. I agree with you both. I would give him an A because he exceeded expectations i think and i think expectations were pretty high so that says something i don't think he had low expectations we had low expectations of him coming into the season he was supposed to be the number two he pitched like a number two he gets an a Mm -hmm. um (laughs) harper gave him a b plus um (sighs) which i think is a little harsh um you know i don't see why the only small knock was Sherman's inability to go deeper into games, averaging fewer than six innings per start, which I guess is like, you know, that's a fair criticism. I don't know if it's enough to drop it down to a B plus, uh, especially, saw- especially since we had a lot of seven inning games. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. because like, if you think about it, like hit, that was his last start of the year was a five inning start, but it was in a seven inning, seven game. inning game. And the Mets won the game because, you know, it, he pitched five innings. And then I forget, I think it was, uh, I think it was Lugo and then Diaz got the save. So it's yep. kind of just like, it's the same formula as like you would do if you pitched seven innings of a nine inning game. And so I don't, I don't necessarily see the problem. I think people are forgetting how many seven inning games the Mets played this year, which probably pitched- decreased the overall average number of innings that the starters pitched this year. Yes. It's in the doubleheader I went to um, yep. against the Rockies. He started game one and poor Lucchese started game two. Oh, um, I was at Lucchese's last uh, start before he died. I saw two Lucchese's stars. 
I was um, thinking of all the pitchers that went down with injuries this year, and I want them all the back. Other, yeah, that was the other thing with Stroman. Somebody pointed out he left to start early, too, which also skewed the numbers. I yeah. think he left in, like, the first inning in one game because it was the inning it was he got hurt or something. And or he also sick. started the suspended game and pitched, like, a third of an inning, and he yes. wasn't the guy that finished that game. So no. the numbers are skewed, so I don't know if you can really... I was going to say, I think he only finished that inning and then it it went over to someone else, the starter, for lack of a better term. Context is everything is the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't see how you can give Stroman anything less than an A for this season. He did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I want him back next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Next up is Taiwan Walker. Who? This, This is a tough one. Yeah, this is a tough grade. I give him a B minus. Yeah, that's fair. Kellyanne? I give him a B just because he had a fantastic first half, but I think innings caught up to him. Yeah. And he had a not great second half. And he finished strong. He finished strong. His final start of the year was good. And he and also, I, this was the most innings he's pitched in that's what, the a whole few thing. years. Yeah, yes, so. that was the whole thing. I think there was a lot of wear and tear on guys that have not gone this long in a while or have gone this long before. Um, we'll get to that one. There's another example coming up. Um, but he was a great number three, especially in the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, it, totally unexpected. I mean, to the point where he was an all-star. Yeah, yeah, he was um, an all-star. He he was in one of the nice surprises on the team this year. Yes. So I'm hoping next year he comes back with a bang. I agree. I hope, I hope he'll, I hope he'll bounce back. I'm going to be the low person and give him a C plus walk. I mean, uh, Walker, Uh, we're talking about Walker. (laughs) Harper gave him a C. So I still, I, which is, I mean, if you look at it, like basically I think that Harper just crudely said first half a second half F. C, um, which Hi. I totally get because um, his second half was really bad. I mean, like in the second half, he was 0 and 8 with a 7.13 ERA. Like that's pretty yeah, bad. That's bad. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm giving him a C plus because like some of those second half starts were straight on watch. Like yeah. he was giving up a lot of home runs. And that was the main thing. I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier today. Um, the main thing that helped him be so successful in the first half is that he gave up virtually no home runs at all. In mm-hmm. fact, when Jacob deGrom was still, you know, pitching when he was not hurt, Taiwan Walker was the only pitcher in baseball who had a lower like home runs per nine than Jacob deGrom did. Um, and so that was hugely like impactful to his success is that he was just not giving up home runs at all. And then in the second half that completely turned around for some reason. And he was just giving up bombs all the time. <laughs> well, there Left was a right. theory that he was tipping his pitches and then the Yankees were cheating. So yeah, I don't know. I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, good first half, terrible second half. Who knows what things will be moving forward? Um, hopefully, he will bounce back and you know be able to withstand a full year's workload and stay healthy um, and stay effective. But yeah, um, I give him. I mean, a I mean, I'm I'm giving probably everybody higher grades than they maybe in the context of this year deserve, just because it was. I'm thinking about it was a shortened season last year and they're ramping up 
from a 60 game season to the regular 162 game season. So I, do I think there's some hangover effects from that? Yes, I do. And that's, I'm trying to take that into consideration when I'm scoring this, grading this. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Next up is Tyler McGill. Uh, I might give him a C plus just because he, I mean, I get he's a rookie, but I know he's not Jake as a rookie, but he tended to be more erratic at the end of the year. Um, and I just don't know who the real McGill is. Was he the, was he good? Because he was never expected to, to be good. He was never like any high on any prospect rankings or anything. Um, so, but he did, he, he was more dominant than I thought. Cause he did get start racking up the strikeouts and I'm going to stick with C plus. I'm going to, going to go with B minus because he was, he was asked to do a lot as a rookie. Um, as a rookie, I think with, what 70 his highest innings pitched was i think what like 73 as i go really high and squeaky i want to say it's somewhere hovering around 70. so he had many more pitches than that this year again there's that workload um coming into play that guys just aren't used to um so for what he was brought up for he did, I think, a very serviceable job. I do look forward to seeing him again next year. I hope he makes the major league squad out of spring training. Um, oh, he only pitched ninety, uh, eighty nine point two innings. Huh? Felt like a lot longer than that. A lot more than that. I'm sorry. Um, it's still the most that he's it's still done the, as it's a still the most. But I th- I thought it was longer. I mean, more. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying longer. Um, yeah, so I I give him a B minus, and I look forward to hopefully seeing him on the major league roster next year. There will be some people that disagree with me on that, but I am one of them. If he's <laughs> on the major league roster, something went horribly, horribly wrong. I agree. He needs to be dead. Yeah. Um, he needs to adapt for you. I mean, like, well, right now with the status of the the pitching crew, we have like nobody right now. I would yeah. be fine if he was even the long man out of the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I could see that as well. Yeah. I um, just, I think, I think the strikeouts and his sharper stuff is going to be the real him. That's my thought. Yeah. He just needs to, ref- he needs to refine a lot of things, but I think he can do that with more experience. He was a very similar story to Carrasco. I mean, to Carrasco, not to Carrasco, to Walker, <laughs> where he was good at first and then things turned really south for him because of the workload and he started yeah. giving up homers, which he was not doing initially. Um, so I'm going to go with Linda's grade of C plus. Harper gives him a C, um, which is, I, I, I guess, similar. Um, you know, I think I, 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 I add the plus to the C just because of like an expectations minus reality situation. Um, because no one expected him to be anything. And he like kind of single-handedly kept the Mets in it for a little while. Um, so I think he deserves credit for that, even though he was really, really pretty terrible at the end, similar to Walker, but, um, yeah, but I don't. 
I don't think he should be handed a rotation spot for next no. year. I do not think that should unless be given. he makes an, like an impressive spring training start. I suppose, I, but <laughs> I still um, wouldn't. Even yeah. then, no. I'm just I'm saying this because I have his T-shirt. No, yeah, right. I'm saying this. Um, the other thing is, I'm just curious to see how the pitchers dropped off after DeGrom was injured. Cause I'm just, I'm curious. And again, complete speculation, but I think he had a large effect on pitching in general. Well, and he, he, he was pressure went way up on the rest of them. Yes, that's true. But I, I also think that they just took a lot of influence from him and his pitches too. Again, speculation well, talked about that a lot. Yes, he did. So I just he's the, he's the veteran in that clubhouse, the pitching veteran. I think he's he's a veteran veteran. I think he's the longest tenured player on the Mets right now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. it's him and then Conforto. I think. Syndergaard. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about it. Well, Syndergaard came up. Oh he yeah, came Syndergaard. up before Conforto. Yes. So the three the three of them, and Conforto and and Syndergaard might be gone. <laughs> Anyway, um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. The The next player on the list is Carlos Carrasco, who he did not slap the incomplete on, despite the fact that he pitched fewer. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure we get that. I won't, I won't tell you what the grade he gave was until the end, but he did not slap the incomplete on him. Can we go back to, like, kindergarten and give him, like, a needs improvement? In <laughs> no, you have to do a letter. That's a cop-out, Linda. <laughs> um or like s satisfactory um or you unsatisfactory unsatisfactory yeah um i probably he's another one that's hard i would give him a c plus probably because if you take out the first inning, he was probably great. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first inning killed him. He, so I'm going to say needs improvement on the first inning and then give like a C plus for an overall grade. Is that fair? Sure. That's okay. fair. How about how about you, Kellyanne? I am going to give him a C for the pretty much the same reasons as Linda. I just, that first inning like really killed things for him, like really killed things. He had, I think, what, a seven point, I forget what it was, I wanna say like a 7.08. I could be wrong, I could be pulling that number out of my ass right now. Um, but that first inning really killed him and killed his grade in my view. Yeah. I agree. I um I'm gonna be the the downer again and give him a D, which is the same grade that Harper gave him. <laughs> he was awful. <laughs> There's like no way around how bad he was. I mean, the first inning, you know, if you take out the first inning, yeah, th things improve substantially, but you can't look. I, I don't think you can look at it that way. He was bad, and I don't think there's much way around it. Like at the beginning. I was like, he'll be fine. He didn't get a real spring training. He's he's coming back from a really bad injury. He still needs to ramp up. But like, how long can that excuse last? He wasn't good the whole time. Like, basically, like he had individual good starts. Sure. He even had that one where he went like seven innings or something and gave up the one run or whatever it was. That, yeah. there, that was like yeah. the one really good start he had. But like 
overall, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He had a six ERA. Like that's bad. That's, that's, that's D that's not good. bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I am hoping that this is not who he is. I, I, I remain mean, optimistic I that this is not so. who he is. It's not who he is. Again, no. I think so much. He's had such it, a rough go of it the past few seasons with everything agree. he's had to deal with. So agree. I don't know how he could even like get into a real rhythm again, like, you know, missing spring training. Then he didn't really get many rehab games. I think he only got one or two before they threw him into the fire. So yeah. I think yeah, he was probably just all thrown off. I and I, I don't think this is this is it. Uh, yeah, I don't think. And again, this can apply to a lot of other players, and that really shouldn't be an excuse because other teams didn't have these issues. Um, but I, I just think a lot of it is hangover from last year. I really do. Yeah, I'm loading up fan graphs for our next guy. Um, Uh so our next guy is David Peterson. Oh, I might have to give him a C. I will give him. He was kind of disappointing and then he got hurt. So does he get an incomplete? Uh, That's why I looked at fan graphs to see how many innings he pitched. And no, he has less than Jake. He has less innings than Jake, but he has the same number of starts as Jake. Um, because obviously get- Jake went deeper per start, even given all his weird like three innings and then he's hurt type of starts. Yeah. Jake still yeah, went see, deeper that's- per start because David Peterson had a bunch of bad starts where he got knocked out early. Um, so he was David Peterson had 15 starts, which I think is the same as Jake. Um, but he did not. He uh, oh, well, actually, no, he got an incomplete from Harper. Oh, well. he did. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's still a cop out though. It is. I mean, I, I'm sticking with my C because he he was a disappointment, especially he, after his strong rookie year. I mean, I'm giving it a C minus, but I'm going to caveat that with we don't know how many starts he was potentially playing injured. Yeah, yeah I'm also giving true. him a C minus with the same caveat. I, I mean, he had a 5.54 ERA. That's pretty bad. Um, yeah. And he didn't pitch in the second half at all because of an oblique injury. And then he fractured his foot. So he had a setback walking, walking. Um, and he had surgery for that. Hey, so like, don't make fun of that. Cause I broke my toe walking once. Um, <laughs> well, I just hit my eye with my car door. So I can't really, you know, things but, happen. <laughs> you know, I, it, everyday it's movement a, and your body betrays you. It's a pretty bad, that. it's a pretty bad sophomore slump. Like you can't, there's no two ways around it. I think, C minus is appropriate. Um, again, this is one of those things where, like, similar situation with Tyler McGill. Like, I would prefer they not hand David Peterson a rotation spot next year, but I he will be, you know, good a good depth option. Um, so, you know, that's where we stand. I, I and honestly, I have no idea what his recovery timeline is. I think he'll be ready for the season, but who knows? Um, since he had like two injuries pile on top of each other. But I think he got the foot surgery early enough that it'll be okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Moving into happier territory, we have Pete Alonso. Oh, darling Pete. Oh, our poor optimistic Pete. Um, I'll give him a B plus. Solid. Uh, Kellyanne. Can you come back to me? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> okay. I'm going, I'm going with a minus um, for Pete. Um, I think that he, you know, he, <laughs> it's tough because his rookie season set such a high bar. Like, no, that's the problem. I like think. he didn't hit 53 home runs. Okay. But, and he didn't drive in like 120 runs or whatever, but he was still really good. Like, he had, like 90 he had RBI, a, didn't he? he had a lot of power. I think 89 RBIs. Um, okay. And he had 37 home runs. That's, like that's not nothing. Yeah. No. That's not nothing. Um, and it's he finished when he slumps, he looks so bad, but a lot of that too was when he, when his wrist was hurting. So who knows? Yes. And he finished with a 134 OPS plus and 4.3 BWAR. So like, oh, yeah, that's a really that's, good player. That's good. Yeah. It's a really good and player. Th- is it 3.0 FR? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Which is a huge discrepancy actually, but all um, those formulas, uh, like, is it 2019 Pete Alonso? No, but is it? it's way better than 2020 Pete Alonzo um, yeah. still. So, and like, you know, he was easily um, alongside Brandon Nimmo. They were the two most consistent hitters on the team all year. And his defense was pretty solid. And his defense was, was improved. Yeah. I was going to say, he made some major gaffes though. Yeah. he He's one of those Ugh. guys who like screws he, up on like easy stuff far. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, which is why I'm like a little, he gets so over amped sometimes. That's the problem. Because that's that's why I can't like I want to give him. I'm between a B plus and an A minus right now. Yeah. See, I can. Should I, should, can I just do like a Bay plus minus? Bay. Alonso is Bay. Bay. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna put Bay. Difference between a B plus and an A minus. So. There's not. There's not that much difference. Like basically, he got a 90 on the test. Yeah. Like more or less. Um, I'm gonna just put Bay. Bay. <laughs> um. So we are. This is the one in one instance where we are lower than Harper, who gave him an A, a straight A. Yeah. Um. Which is which is fair. I think that that's a fair. I think that's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I again, like he's supposed to be the best player on the team or like one of the best players on the team. So like, I think a minus like a little bit below expectations, but pretty much, I mean, he did exceed speaking of expectations. He did exceed his projections as far as like steamer and like the projection systems. Pete Alonso did exceed that. So there's that. But I think that like, that was also based off a bad 2020 though. Exactly. Yes. A bad 2020 factored into that. So I think context that, is everything. So I think, you know, he about met expectations. So I think an A minus is a fair grade. So it's, so he like, what, what, what would that, 
because that was exceeds expectations. So oh, are we? Uh, should we switch are to we this on the OWL scale? Outstanding. <laughs> oh, owls exceeds and expectations or the, the newts, the OWL. Um, acceptable is the A, and then there's like troll. Oh, no. Troll is the like failing, the lowest. Rate. And I forget what Hang the on. like just bad regular bad one is. It's definitely outstanding. It exceeds expectations. Acceptable, and then troll is the worst one. But I forget in between. It is. Those. Give me a second. Give me a second. Load, load, <laughs> load, load, load. It is. Passing grades are outstanding O, exceeds expectations E, acceptable A, poor P, dreadful D, and, and troll T. Yeah, which so is poor, fail so with poor distinction. Is like, so poor is like a C, and dreadful is a D, and troll is an F, basically. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so we can we can switch to doing it like that if you guys want. <laughs> I mean, um, we're 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 already part of the way through this with yeah. No, we no. can't be inconsistent like Harper. No, we got to stick with the. Let's not everyone, but that's yeah. very funny. Um. Anyway, so our next our next guy up is Javier Baez. Mm. Oh, I'm partial because Allison and Killian, were you there too for the his the home run his first game? No, I, I was, was not there. I see. I was there too. So I, I think I'm, I'm biased. I'm going to give him an A. Bias towards bias. <laughs> bias towards bias. Bias yes. towards bias. Bias. Garrison summed it up perfectly. Like you don't. Like when he was with the Cubs, you don't appreciate just all the things he does well until yeah. you watch him every day. Like I remember one play, there was a foul ball down the right field line, and he was like in right field going after this foul ball. Like Conforto was standing next to him, which was how far he ran. And because there was a shift on, and then so he just kept on running out there. And um, I mean, I could think of three games he single-handedly won by himself, basically, because of his aggressiveness, his intelligence, his baseball IQ. Um, he cut down a lot on, well, he walked more. Um, so he wasn't as much of a uh, free stringer. Yeah. As he the was strikeouts were that, I mean, and just going based on the amazing Avenue com comments, that's what like the big worry was, was his strikeout rate. Yeah. And in I fact, mean, yeah, he did strike out, but it wasn't where he was with the Cubs. No, it was not. In fact, it was much lower. His strikeout rate with the Cubs this year was 36.3%. And his strikeout rate with the Mets this year was 28.5%. Wow. So, I mean, that's well, still high. That's yeah. higher. That's above average. But it's, you know, much better. And he ran the highest walk rate of his career. Yeah. So every, I mean, with, with the Mets, only with the Mets, I bet if you like average out his Cubs and Mets, it's probably close to his career average. But if you split the teams... It's better than any season that he had with the Cubs, his Mets rate. He walked 7% of the time with the Mets, which again is not a super high number, but it's much higher than he's done pretty much every other year. Like basically most years he's 5% or under. And so. people were comparing him to Cespedes's 2015 and his numbers were better. Yes, better numbers than 2015 Cespedes. So if you would give Cespedes an A, and there was even MVP talk around Cespedes at the time. So I don't understand how, if you think Cespedes had a great second half, how you can't give bias anything less than an A. The dingers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Dingers. I mean, I 
personally, I am also giving Javier Baez an A. Uh, he slashed 299-371-515 with the Mets with a 143 WRC+. Plus. I don't see how that's anything except an A. Yeah. Like, that's better and than Pete Alonso's numbers. But <laughs> I'm giving him an A+. Plus. They, like, Straight he out. Great. He was He was great. He was great. Also, off it topic, is- Garrett Cole got knocked out after two innings. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, um, sorry. I'll give him an exceeds expectations because he definitely exceeded my expectations. Oh, yeah, by a lot. Um, yeah. Okay. I would give him an O. An O. An O. Um, he gets an A. So... The next player is probably the toughest of all to grade, in my opinion, which is Francisco Lindor. You know, I've seen people crunching the numbers that, like, since May, he's basically the player he was. More or less. Yeah, for throughout his career. Um, So... And the defense can't be overlooked because Correct. oh my gosh, he was just a joy to watch in the in the field, and it's been so long. <laughs> I feel like uh, the old lady from Titanic. It's been eighty four years <laughs> since we've had a defense. Oh my god! Um, so I think that might that alone and his clubhouse presence. He he took accountability for things. He said mm-hmm. all the right things. Um, I will give him a B, a solid B. How about you, Kellyanne? I'm also going to give him a bay. Um, <laughs> just because his, his he didn't have the best offensive season. No, he didn't, and he looked really bad at the plate at times however that defense i was in love with that defense and it it made me like so happy i cried oh my god his defense just to see not worry about the middle infield screwing up double plays screwing up just letting balls go through and Um, getting to balls getting to balls uh, and making it look so pretty yeah so that is I'm weighting my score mostly on his defense. I I just went to look because I wanted to see how he finished on this leaderboard because I remember like a while back when he was still injured, we looked and he was still at the top of the leaderboard and outs above average in baseball, despite the fact that outs above average is a counting stat. And and still Lindor was like leading the league, even though he was hurt. And I looked and he finished second in all baseball. (laughs) And outs above average, despite the fact that he missed so much time. He prevented, wow. according to Baseball Savant, he prevented 15 runs on his Jesus. own. Jesus. Wow. Oh, on his see, own. Uh, wow. Oh, that defense. I it love was that defense. Like, I mean, and I think that showed in a lot of the games this year because how many games did the Mets lose by one run? A lot. 30, I want to say. It's like 30. Well, and also when they weren't hitting, how many games did they win? One nothing because of the defense. Yeah. He that he played a big part of that. And that yes, when they he were did. and I think the season turned not only when Jake got hurt, but when he was hurt. You yes. you could see the everything just a life drain. They could have survived one of them being out, but not both, I think. It was yeah. it was just too much at the time, and it 
they never recovered. No. And like he basically like given how bad his April was and part of his May, he basically clawed his way back to he finished with an above average like OPS plus WRC yeah. plus like the weighted hitting stats were above 100 at the end, which is incredible <sighs> considering what he did in April, yeah. which was which can't Bad. be ignored and like pretend that it didn't happen. So that like, you know, you can't just like gloss over that. It was really bad. So but at the same time, that's not who he is. Right. I'm going to also give him a B. Um, Harper gives him a C, um, which, you know, I'm not surprised by that. I feel like most of the baseball media is going to say he's not a three hundred forty one million dollar man. 20 in 2021 and blah 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 and you know he didn't you know and like he said it was mostly a case of too little too late which i disagree with completely because lindor helped keep the team afloat lindor and baez were carrying the team by themselves at one point when they when the mets were still in it when they were still in it to be fair i mean he got hurt around the same time as degrom and that was critical to the season you know really taking a turn for the worst but you know mathematically they were still in it when Lindor came back and he and Baez carried the team during that time. Yes. So I don't think that you can say that his home runs in August and September didn't matter. Like they were still in baseball games that counted for the standings. The Mets were only eliminated like in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know, whatever. Um. Anyway. All right. Next up is Brandon Nimmo. Uh, I mean, he was like you've mentioned before, um, him and Pete were their best position players, but Nimmo can't stay healthy. Um, defense in the beginning of the year left a little something to be desired, but it did. it, It wasn't awful by the end of the year. Um, I'll give him a B plus. You, Kellyanne? Uh, I will give him a B. I am also going to give him a B plus. Um, with the with the only thing, the only reason he doesn't get an A is because of the injuries. Um, yeah. Otherwise, he would get an A. I mean, he the, the other like small criticism and his power was gone. Of, too. Yeah, of yes. the most seasons that he didn't hit any home runs. Like, and didn't hit for power at all. Um, which you know, again, like that's he doesn't get dinged for that too much because it's not like he's Pete Alonso and didn't hit for power, and that's like his whole ass job. His job is to get on base, and he did that job. So yes. you know, he did that job very, which very he usually well. does. Mm-hmm. Um, he finished the season with an above 400 on base percentage again, which is exactly Oof, what you want from wonderful. your leadoff hitter. Yeah. Um, but like you know, he used to at least hit for like you know 10 to 15 home run power. Yeah. Like he had a little pop. Uh, he had no pop this year. But many many of the Mets did not. Basically, Pete Alonso was the only Met with any pop, and Lindor ended up with 20 home runs in the end, yeah. which is a respectable number. Um, but you know, no one else who usually hits for power hit for any power, including Nimmo. Um, Nimmo is capable of that. McNeil is capable of that. Smith is capable of that. Conforto is capable of that. None of them did it this year. No. Um, and that's a big you know, a big mark on the Mets season. Um, and, you know, so, but I, I won't knock him that much for that. Those are like fractions of a point that I knock him. I knock him for not being able to stay healthy. And that's why he gets a B plus instead of an A um, or a B in Kellyanne's case, which I, I agree with that too. Um, all right. Next is Michael Conforto, which is another tough one to grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Sorry, Michael. I got to do it. I give him a C minus. I'm giving him a C caveating that with he had COVID in the beginning of this year. He said he had mild symptoms, but I'm also taking into context that this is a baseball player saying that. And many of them usually minimize how sick they are. So, and I like having had COVID, I know how draining it is and how fatigued you still feel months after you have it. So I think that affected him a lot. However, yeah, it just, he improved right at like the very end, but it Again, wasn't even it, sustained, though. It was, it was yeah, it really like, wasn't. It was like a couple hot weeks. It was like one hot week there, then a, another two weeks of bad, then what? Then a couple good games. So it was like I, I, it, it was in, it was inconsistent, but it also was not good. But I also think it's not who he is, and I think he's going to have a major bounce back season next year. And if he goes to somewhere else other than the Mets, you know he's going to have like a major all-star season. It's going to happen. Probably. But <laughs> yeah. um, I'm I'm going C-minus as well. Um, just, you know, expectations minus reality. Yeah. He wasn't very good. Um, and if, if he would just played just a fraction better, who knows where they would have ended up. Yeah, it was one of the guys. slugging percentage, three eighty four. Like Ugh. my God, man! Like this is like, normal. Yeah, like you can ding Brandon Nimmo for the lack of power, but at least he gets on base. Michael Conforto yeah. needs Didn't to run a much higher on base percentage to to have his powers up like that. Like he's a power hitter. He's hit thirty home runs multiple times in his career. Like to and have that just... cut to fourteen in a season is awful. And just he was completely lost against a lefty. I don't think he he hit one home run against a lefty and it happened in like the last week of the season. I I was going to say for the longest time, he I don't even think he had a hit off a lefty or no, he had no extra base, no extra base hits, no extra base hits for the entire year until like the last week. Yeah, until like the this was this was a bad year for him. Really bad. Yeah, it was um, awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like There's I'm no sad. Getting around it. I'm sad that his Mets career ended this way because I think, like, because potentially ended. Potentially mm, ended. I think because if he doesn't I take think, the qualifying call first, and I don't think he's taking it. I don't um, either. I think and and Harper gave him a D. Um, and he said Conforto had a nice seven seasons as a Met, but never quite lived up to high expectations, which I think is uh, wildly unfair to that's say. Bull shark. Um, I think that he has lived up to expectations multiple times, both in 2015 as a rookie and in 2017 when he was a goddamn all-star. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that he didn't have like a ridiculous season in 2017 is because he hurt himself in, in mm-hmm. August. He like his shoulder exploded on a swing. Like, Oh a my God, that was too. so gross was to awful. watch. Oh, like he was on track for like a re- like, like MVP caliber. caliber. Not, he would, yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't have gotten MVP votes because the Mets were going nowhere that year. And there were lots of other players who put up just as good, if not better numbers than him in the national league that year. But like, it was that level of season he was putting up. He was having a very good season. And, you know, to say that he never lived up to expectations, I think is ridiculous. Is poop. Um, but he certainly didn't do that this year. This year. But then um, again, not a lot of the players did. did. And it will be a bad note for him to go out on if he is going out. Um, 
on that note, speaking of, uh, I mean, like we're 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 hitting a, a really bad list a now. Bumpy uh, patch. Yeah, we're hitting a rough patch. Uh, so oh, we're going to go with Jeff McNeil next. Oh, see, oh, uh, McNeil bothers me more than Cavorto. Like, yeah, because the most cause... part, he was so bad. I forgot he existed most of the time. Mm. Like I had just a mental block. I was like, oh, yeah, he's a dude that exists. I give him a D minus. Yeah. Because yeah, he has given- no excuse. He always had the hit tool. And he was such a, he's a pure hitter, except yeah, he wasn't this year. And like, just to go from, I'm going to hit 400 in a shortened season to not being able to hit at all. I mean, Oof. he had a lot of like, people were like, Ooh, it's realistic that McNeil could hit 400 in a 60 game season. Like that's how high the expectations are with McNeil's hit tool to this. I'm sorry, dude. That's not kind of it. You get a D minus. Right. How about you, Kellyanne? I'm giving him a D. Yeah. Again, he was very forgettable. He's lucky yes. he's not getting He's not. He's lucky he's not getting an F right now. I mean, he's so forgettable. I don't like I get annoyed like, how, when Willow McNeil posts now. Like, <laughs> you get out and you go help your dad hit. <laughs> I, I mean, can't and possibly I, I think, be annoyed I, with Willow McNeil posts. I will always live for them. Then the the other thing that I think people did call out on early in the year was just how pissed off he got after every at bat. And it's just like, okay, the first couple of times you get it, but then when it's over and over Over. and over and over, you got to chill out, man. Yeah. That's not the way to get back into the swing of things. Clearly that's not, has not been working raging about it. Yeah. That's definitely graded on me too. It's like, calm me F down, dude. Yeah. Like after every single at bat, like, come on. It's like, you know, everybody got on Brett Gardner, like slamming the bat on the ceiling. Like, okay. McNeil didn't do property damage, but he was right there with that me head. Yeah. I mean, and I think that affected him in terms of trade value. Cause I, I don't know where I read it. I can't remember. I'm I sorry. Him. Yeah. But like he, there were um, other teams that like didn't want him just because of the the clear anger issues after every at bat. Well, I mean, fighting with your new super superstar probably didn't help either. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think anybody's star fell quite so hard. was quite so hard as McNeil's, honestly. Yeah. Was- I completely forgot he fought with Lindor earlier in the year. Yep, that Whoa. was the rat raccoon thing. I mean, they seem to bury the hatchet, but still, like, it's not a great look. No. Yeah. And it was clear. And like, it was because McNeil, like, screwed up and got in Lindor's way on a play. And Lindor was probably like, yo, dude, you got to get out of my way. And McNeil got really mad about that because because he's a hothead. He screams at himself because he's already raging. If Lindor says something to him, he's probably going to pop off. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving him a D as well. Um, the thing that is saving him from getting a lower grade than that, like, because if you actually just like look at the stat line, he probably deserves like a D minus or an F, mm. um, especially compared to like his career versus now, oh my like the God. precipitous. Yes. Um, the only reason I'm not doing that is because his, unlike a lot of the other guys who have had poor seasons, his underlying like hard hit rate and stuff like that is like weirdly in line with his career averages. Um, like he hit into a ton of hard outs. And I mean, at a certain point, you got to make an adjustment and he didn't. And that's why he was not successful. But I do feel that like 
he was hitting, he was at least hitting the ball hard occasionally, as opposed to other guys who we're going to get to in a minute, <laughs> Dominic Smith and James McCann, who seem to oh. like basically never make solid contact ever. Mm. Um, like, like at least McNeil was hitting into a lot of hard outs that I think he did get a bit unlucky. Does that account yes. for his entire like bad stats? No, but I think he got a little unlucky. Uh, if you look at his batted ball metrics, like they are, you know, mostly in line with what he was doing. And I think that's why part of why he got so frustrated this year. It doesn't excuse, you know, the what him acting a fool. <laughs> it doesn't excuse the way he was acting. But I think you can kind of see where he's frustrated because he's like, I'm hitting the ball the same as I always have. And yet I'm just hitting into outs every time and I don't get it. I don't know whether it's because teams were more effectively shifting him or because it was some sort of thing in his approach that he wasn't noticing, but you know, his underlying batted ball metrics look okay. So, you know, maybe that's an indication that he's actually fine and he'll be fine again next year. And this was weird, but you know, a weird the, 2021 hangover, but the Can numbers he be are good bad. on another team because like I said, yeah. he just bothered but me the, but year. the numbers were bad and there's no excusing how that there were no results. Um, you know, you can't just chalk it all up to bad luck. You no. had bad results. So D it is. Um, moving on, Dominic Smith. Oh, also um, not good. This one kills me. Oh, and Harper <sighs> gave McNeil a D as well, by the way. Oh, so we were kind of all in agreement there. D. Sorry, also D. Dom. Also D. Also D. Harper also D. So I think that we all agree again, again, this like, is another bad season for a, a guy who's been good in the past and the power yeah. was gone. Well, sadly, McNeil has more of a track record than being good than Dom but, does. Dom yes. has yeah. one season's worth of track record of being good. Yes. And I think, yeah, either Dom or McNeil is not going to be here next year. Yeah. Huh. Sadly. And it's just like, I don't know, man, like he more than anyone again, so there's there's injuries to take into account. I think Smith was battling through stuff all year. Um, and there was an article about it at one point. Like he had a wrist thing. Like it was real. It wasn't like, you know, a made up excuse. And Smith actually didn't want to talk about it because he didn't want to use it as an excuse, which I admire, you know, everybody's playing but at the same something. time. But clearly either that affected him massively or, you know, it's that. And he also forgot how to play baseball because like, Jeff McNeil was hitting into some hard outs. Dominic Smith just like waved meekly at off speed pitches. Like, like his at bats looked like a guy who forgot how to play baseball. Just like really bad at bats, like really bad at bats. At least occasionally McNeil would work a count. Dominic yeah. Smith was not doing that at all. He was man. entirely forgettable. Just yeah. really bad. And also um, then like his defense and left didn't really exactly make up for it either. Like Again, these guys he look at liability after a while. Like I mean, he but he's he's providing anything offensively or defensively. He's not a natural outfielder. No, he's not. But at he's, least he's gotten better. But got a hit uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the lineup, and he did not. My mic keeps falling over. But yeah, if you like if you if you're gonna play Dom, he needs to hit, and he just wasn't. He just was a liability on both sides of the ball. There's no getting around it. Right, and like he. He, unlike Conforto, like Smith is not necessarily a 30 home run power guy, but he is a doubles 
gap yeah. hitter guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's a power hitter in the sense that he should be hitting more doubles. He was not. He slugged 363. Again, Ooh. these are dudes who should be slugging like 500. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in the high 400s, 363. That's awful. And again, couldn't hit. Oh, no, he was good against lefties. He had reverse splits. Didn't he for a while? Yeah, he did in the beginning. I don't know what they ended up being yeah. at the end of the year, because at the end of the year, he wasn't hitting anybody. Um, and, <laughs> and like the reason why McNeil and Smith were in part so forgettable is because like they weren't playing at the end of the year. Like, yeah, the, not only I mean, McNeil, McNeil also was hurt for part of the year, too. Smith was never like extended IL, but battling through something. But like they were bench by the end of the season, which is saying something on this team. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like and, literally, and I also, Kevin Pilar was playing instead of them. I also have them some thoughts on the playing through injuries, but that that'll come later. That's a that's a talk for another podcast, which is yes. a talk with JD having. Davis. <laughs> um. Anyway, next player up. <laughs> We're going through a rough stretch, guys. We're just going to power through. James McCann. Oh, oh God. God. Uh. I, I give him credit. He's a good catcher. He can actually throw runners out. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's going to say. Which we haven't had in a long time. Yes. That was um, a defensive improvement. That was very nice to watch. Um, He could actually catch the ball. Like Ramos. <laughs> uh, so that was a plus. Uh, D plus. <laughs> D. Kellyanne. D I'm going D which which is Harper's great as well um again could be could be even worse and if it went we, if I went on his offense alone he'd be getting like a D minus yeah. but yeah he's, he's a solid receiver um and, and he, he is actually not first he was actually okay at first <laughs> I, for, I literally had erased <laughs> that for my memory Linda I forgot James McCann literally played first base the first season. baseman that <laughs> happened that it was did. a thing that happened. It did. Oh, I was there. I, that was the double header I went to. He was literally our forgot first that baseman that day. My God. Anyhow, he is a solid receiver. I don't think that he is the defensive wizard that he was necessarily billed as. As far as framing, he is good at throwing runners out, and he's an okay framer. But he is not the framer that Tomasito is. No. Um yeah. Even though Tomasito, but also he also but he's he's good at. Um, I guess this is along the lines of receiving, but um, there are a couple of plays at the plate that he, like if it was Ramos, he never would have made. Like, right. He was actually good at tagging runners out at home too. Yes. And I think that he worked really well with the pitching staff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agree. And it was clear that they liked throwing to him. So, um, so he gets credit for that, but for being a solid catcher, but he did not hit at all. He had 204. So. Mm. Uh, 563 OPS is, is that good? Oh. Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right, Linda. This is going to be your toughest grade yet. Oh, no. Davis. Can you just pull like, like when you do your position, your player meters, can, like the little red cross? Can we just can we <laughs> That's kind of like an incomplete, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he did only play 73 games. Because he was so good in April. He was really good good in April. Until he got hurt. And then I don't think he was ever right because now he had surgery. So I think the the 
player in April is who he was, and they badly mishandled his injury. Um, mm-hmm. Because I guess it was, yeah, because then even when he came back, he said it wasn't right, and he had nope. to play through it, and <laughs> like that was documented. So clearly, it was an issue. Uh, JD and he's probably not going to go back and it sucks um I'm giving him a C minus again he's I was going to give him a C um I miss the joy of the cookie club like I'm annoyed at McNeil I'm annoyed at Conforto JD's gone and hurt I just want the cookie club back um, I'm just giving him a C minus because he played through an injury and this is kind of like the same thing with dumb. They both had like these wrist hand things going on and that you, you. use that. You can't, that screws with your timing. Uh, that just screws with power. you generally. That just screws with you generally. I don't even care about baseball. Your hands are like important in life. Um, so, but especially in baseball where timing is microseconds, you have microseconds to make a strike, get a hit, take a walk. So them playing, especially JD Davis, who was out for a while with this, the hand wrist injury and just had surgery for it today. That picture was adorable, by the way. Um, he had the surgery today. He did yes, not give I the middle. It. He did not give the middle finger like he Matt gave Harvey. Thumbs up and he, yeah, thumbs I was going to say he was a little more a PC than PC. <laughs> he was G rated on that he one. He was G rated, yeah. Um, and then also apparently JD had COVID. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I remember some. Yeah, back in July, did Keith just break the news? JD Davis had COVID. Christ. Cool. Uh, Guys, maybe he should have vaccinated. Gotten the vaccine. Um, Did he he might have maybe but this we don't know before the vaccine because it said Keith I guess because this was back on July 24th and it said to Keith just break the news Shady Davis had COVID last year so I guess he had oh maybe god if he had it la- oh oh whatever all right well I am gonna give JD a C plus um uh, Harper gives him a C um yeah i just i mean he was the only one hitting in april he was the only one hitting in april and he ended up with an 820 ops which looks okay on the surface but it's a pinch hitter too he he did the mets were actually good at pinch hitting as a whole yes one of the few things they did well um and jd davis pinch hit a lot so he was part of that um okay next player is jonathan vr oh man He's just nuts. Because <laughs> um, he had a roller coaster season. And he, he, he was always an adventure on the base paths because he was nuts. He got yeah. picked um, off a ton of times. Yes. Like way more than anybody else in the league. Especially <laughs> oh, yeah. that game we were at, too, where he got picked off second, where then Baez only hit like a tying home run instead of the go ahead. Oh, yeah, that was so annoying. Yeah, oh, I was so mad at, uh, at VR for that. Um, and we literally just said, VR, stand on second base, do not get picked off. And the very next minute, he gets picked off. Picked off. And oh. also, like, he 
but he but on the other side of the coin, like and I mean, Baez and Lindor are also good at this, but they're good at like doing it without getting picked off. Like, yes. he can force like errors and stuff like that yeah. on his own and like mm-hmm. force the issue and score runs because other teams make mistakes because he's fast and like breaks for home when you don't expect it and stuff <laughs> like that. You know, like at local he's tricky. Him, you just don't know what he's going to do. Yes. Um, tricky, tricky. And he, he played a decent third. Um, but he was so streaky. He was really bad at the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, the last few weeks. I mean, actually, the last week of the season, he was okay. But like okay. September prior to the last week of the season, he was like really bad. But then bad. he was he was pretty good the rest of the year. Offensively. Yeah, he's tough. I might give him. I might give him a C plus. I he's one of those giving... that like he gets exposed if like the longer he plays. And I yeah. think that's part of it. I'm wavering between a C and a C plus. I'm going to go with C. I'm the high person. I'm going. I'm going to give him a, a Harper gave him a B, and I'm going to give him a B plus because no one expected him to be an everyday player, and he was the whole year. He true didn't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. uh, he played every. He played every goddamn day. He played he made a nice Instagram post. <laughs> he liked us and like. I don't know. Like he was a better hitter than freaking Michael Conforto this year. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know what to yeah, say about that. Point, like, yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't like great, but like considering like they signed him for like three million dollars to be like a bench guy, and he was their everyday third baseman for most of the year, and their everyday shortstop when Lindor was hurt. Don't mm-hmm. forget. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. before they got bias. Um. You know, I just I think that he far exceeded the expectations. Like, was he like an outstanding baseball player, you know, just by league wide expectations? No. But was he did he far exceed the expectations that were set for him? Yes. So I'm going to give him a B plus. Um, Harper gives him a B. Um, All right. Next is Kevin Pillar. He is my birthday twin. Just putting that (laughs) out there. (laughs) <laughs> so if my score is high you know why um he was kind of bad at the end of the year but uh, i give him a c minus yep kelly i am gonna be nice because he took a ball to the face in the I beginning mean, of the him, year i mean i probably would have rated him lower if he didn't take a ball to the face i'm giving him a c plus <laughs> Because I thought he was going to be out for months after that and said as much because he took a ball to like the face and it hit him square in the nose. Oh, uh, so I- I'm giving him a C plus just for that alone. Yeah, I'll give him a C. I'll go middle of the road on that. And Harper also gave him a C. Um, I think like, you know, in the beginning he hit pre- like in April, he was awful, which like, but mm. everyone was awful in April. Like no one hit besides JT um, in <laughs> April, including like Lindor and everybody else. No one was hitting. And, but Pilar was like, especially bad. Um, like he went like, oh, for his first, like a lot. Um, I seem to remember. Um, <laughs> oh, for a lot. Oh, for, oh, a, for lot. a lot. Um, he a was lot. really bad in April, like historically bad. But then he did a lot better the rest of the first half. But then at the end of the season, he was bad again. Um, and his overall numbers are pretty bad, like 231 with a 692 OPS. Meh. Uh, meh. meh. Decidedly meh. So that's a, like a C level grade. Um, he did recover well from getting hit in the face and was a good sport about it. 
Um, and, you know, played, played very good outfield defense. So he gets credit for that. Um, so yeah, see for me, um, Edwin Diaz. Oh, Edwin. Uh, this is tough. This is it tough. is tough. It is just better. because he was good. He was good in save situations. He was terrible in non-save situations. And when he's on, he's just so good. He's electric when he's on. Oh. I was gonna say plus the Marco fact. Ah, screw it. I'm giving him a B plus. I don't All care right. Because I like Narco too much. Damn it. <laughs> I'm gonna give him joy, and for that alone, he gets a B plus. I am teetering between a B and a B minus. I'll give him that's, a B. That's where I'm at. I was teetering between B and B minus. I think I will also round up and give him a B. He did save 32 games, which yes, is like which is great. Really yeah. good. Um, he did blow six saves. Um, but still, in comparison to I think what his first year where he blew how many? Oh, well, I mean, like, like that would have been an, that would have been an F. Like that's like yeah. the worst you could possibly be. More yeah. yes. was his 2019, and um, he didn't even have Narco to save him. No, right. he had it. I think that was part of the problem. So yeah. his his save percentage like is pretty low among guys of like that tier that have saved that many games. Um, so like, uh, he's one of the worst, like high level closers, I guess is, I don't, I don't know how to put that any better, but like, you know what I mean? Among like the solid established closers, he has the worst save rate. Um, but, and he was, and he did pitch poorly in like many non-save situations this year, but like, he wasn't actually, if you look at his overall numbers, just like not saves, but just like ERA, FIP, WHIP, ERA minus, like, he was fine. Like yeah. he's pretty good. Like yeah. he they, still the, was a the, good relief pitcher. The bad out balanced with the good. Yeah. Like maybe so. is he a top tier elite closer? No. Is he an average-ish closer? Yeah. And like, is he a pretty good relief pitcher? Yeah. So like a B. Uh Harper gives him a B minus. Um so yeah. I say. Um, the next one is relatively easy. Aaron Loop. <laughs> <laughs> and all the bush lights he wants to drink yeah he's the only a plus on the team and harper gives him an a plus too i think it's pretty easy like i'm giving him an a plus 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 yeah like he he's the only one that deserves an a plus this season period because he like vastly exceeded expectations <laughs> and we're talking about exceeded how far yeah. he exceeded expectations his gap is the widest not just um, exceeded expectations was one of the best relievers in the league arguably the best really the best yeah. arguably I mean, the best pretty much he had a 0.95 era oh yeah, my god he, that? that's bananas he he's only the ninth reliever in major league history to pitch at least 54 innings and have an era under one. Oh my god so that's it's insane it's one of the best best relief seasons it's the best relief season i think a mets reliever has ever had yes and one of the best relief seasons ever so like yeah uh aaron loop gets it it's it's like and he was three million dollars <laughs> imbued aaron loop with his magical ace powers he was their reliever ace. He was the reliever ace. All right, we're moving into the rest of the bullpen here. Seth Lugo. Oh, sorry, Allison. Uh, 
I think I'm a C minus. You C. Good. I'll go B minus. I'll be the high oh. person on my man's because I have to be. Um, <laughs> which, to be fair, Harper also gave him a B minus. Okay. Um, he was. He was not good. He was not. He good. was not this peak he, Seth Lugo. No, which is a very, very good, like elite setup man level reliever. He was not that. But, you know, he was fine. Like, I think his ERA was like 3.5. Like, that's not bad. Um, but he should have been better. I mean, like, and yeah. I think that he he's a guy that, you know, wasn't the same after he came back from injury for sure. No, no. Um, three point, literally a 3.5 year, right? 3.5 on the dot. So basically um, average, basically <laughs> average. I mean, um, I think, I think so. Like for me, some of these grades are based on the expectations at the beginning of the season and what actually happened. And you're expecting, even though he was injured, you kind of, I expected Lugo to kind of come back in and be his solid self and right. above yeah. average, not average. Yeah. He certainly, so. he certainly did not meet expectations. No, that's for no. Sure. Um, and he walked a lot more guys than he's ever walked. Like he never used to walk guys. And this year he walked a ton of guys. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, not, not great. Um, Trevor May. Mm. Um, he, I mean, when he, he had a few blowups, but for the most part, he was good. Um, I'll give him a B. B minus. I'm also giving him a B. Um, he actually ended up with an identical ERA to Seth Lugo. So like ah. by that measure, they should have the same grade, but I think that Trevor May had a slightly better season than Seth Lugo overall. Um, Did he have more appearances too? Cause Lugo was hurt. For yeah. Lugo was hurt. So yes. Trevor May pitched more um, for sure. Almost certainly. I don't know exactly how many more innings he pitched. I'm going to look that up now. Cause Lugo pitched 46 and a third. And I already know that Trevor May pitched way more than that. It's gotta be like 60 innings. Uh, 62 and two thirds. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, for that reason alone, I think he deserves a slightly better grade, although Harper grades them identical identically at a B minus for each of them. Um, but I give Trevor may a B. I think he, he was solid. He wasn't great, but he was solid. Yeah. Also worth noting that interestingly, and I think that this kind of backs up what the eye test says of each of them. Um, but Seth Lugo's like X ERA was like very high, like 4.2 and, uh, Trevor May's X ERA is 2.89. Oh, wow. Wow. So underlying make of it what you will, but underlying metrics say that Trevor May pitched better. Yeah. Even if the results were similar for both. Oh yeah. The eye test you're right. Does kind of back that up. Yeah. Yes. I think Trevor May just pitched better, honestly. Um, um, so we move on to a bunch of other dudes in the bullpen who had very similar numbers. I, like my dad and I were, again, my dad and I had a phone conversation about the Mets this morning. And one of the things we talked about is how all the guys in the bullpen, like, even though they had varying paths of getting there, they all ended up with almost identical numbers. <laughs> like weirdly, like everyone in the bullpen was okay. Besides Aaron loop, obviously Aaron, Loop, Aaron loop is exceptional, but like everyone else ended up with like a 3.5 year. <laughs> Everyone else, oh, Everybody um, else is average. So we've got next, we've got Jerry's familia. Uh, he's, he's a tough one. Yeah. Um, mm. 
he was better than last year. Yeah, and last year, I mean, last year was awful. <laughs> I was going to yes. say, I mean, he had nowhere to go but up. Um, I give him a B minus. I will also give him a B minus. I think I'm in agreement. B minus. Um, Harper gives him a C plus. Um, he did. So I forget what his ERA was in the end. I think slightly higher than the others because the others, like a bunch of the others, all hovered around three point four. I think Jerry's Familia ended up in the high threes. Um, yeah, three nine six. Um, and he like unlike the others, like he gave up. I don't know, like he gave up some killers, like yes. really bad home runs and like walks with the bases loaded and stuff like that. Um, not to say the others never did that, but I just felt like Familia blew up in bigger spots more often yeah. than the others did. Um, and like you know, he has a bit higher expectations on him given the like big contract he got, um, and which he was in the final year of. Um, but you know, like he was solid, like the others, he was mostly solid. Um, B minus, I think is an appropriate grade similar to Seth Lugo, like isn't quite his old self, but he was okay. Um, I will say though, that he also made a really nice Instagram post, um, about how much he's going to miss being a Met and it really broke my heart. Um, I'm such a sucker for that stuff. Yeah, um, right. I, guess, I, I get way too attached to players and familiar, like especially players that show that they want to be on the Mets. I know it it's like odds to be too. here. And like, and I, I was at a wedding. Um, I'm kind of spoiling my walk off win, but I was at a wedding over the weekend and, uh, Danza Kadura came on at one point and I like screamed and I ran and got Michael and we danced so much to Danza and I was like dedicating this to Jerry's familia <laughs> and he even said I understand why you boo me and he's like it's okay <laughs> they really they're just passionate and they want to win a championship I get it and I was like oh man oh, like I complain all year and then like one nice Instagram post I'm like I would die for familia <laughs> I know I know I mean he's a like I I'm about it but um he also got so unfairly blamed for 2015 they wouldn't even have made it if it weren't he had 50 something saves yeah he did does he hold the Mets record yes yeah so I mean because he pitched a lot in the I mean he had a couple six out saves in the in the playoffs yes yes. leading up to the world series and he had never done that before so and I think that like, and I think it's kind of a double-edged sword too, because like people are expecting 2016 Jerry's Familia in the year of our Lord 2021. And he's just, yeah. he's not that guy anymore. Like he's, he's older now, you know, like we're all older now, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, time he, marches on. <laughs> and I mean, he also hasn't been the same since, what was it? I think some sort of, I want to say it was like blood clots blood in his clots, shoulder yeah. or his arm or. Yeah, he was also briefly injured this year, but not that yes. long. he had like hip tendonitis or something. Um, but he mostly was healthy. Um, and and a lot of the bullpen was mostly healthy this year. Yes, um, yeah, overall, um, it was. I mean, the when I say the bullpen, I mean like the late most of the late inning relievers, like where the bullpen experienced injuries was in the like you know long men and like spot starters and swing men were all hurt. Like all of those guys, like Gazelman, Oswalt, Sean Reeve, Bully, like all of them were hurt. But the like late inning relievers, like were remarkably healthy, missed very little time, if any, and were workhorses. Pitched a lot of innings, all of them. Um, 
because we were marked on how, you know, the Mets starters didn't go very deep into games this year often um, because that was there were guys like Carrasco and McGill who weren't ready for the workload. Um, Taiwan Walker toward the end of the year was suffering from the workload. Um, And so, you know, like the bullpen pitched a lot of innings. And so they deserve credit for that. Um, I mean, pitching overall was not the issue this year. No, it wasn't. Um, Miguel Castro is the last bullpen guy to grade. Um, man, he was so good until they did the sticky stuff. But he still had his flashes after that. He did. I feel like he had like a weird, like he was one of those guys who I kind of suspect was using it because he had such a, like such a bad, time right after but i feel like he like readjusted and then was fine again yeah it took him a little bit to just readjust because he had a like a good couple weeks of just being awful yeah um i'll give him uh, i'll give him a b minus i'm giving him a c plus harper also gave him a c plus um i think i'm gonna be the high person on him and give him a b um, because again, this is an expectations minus reality thing for me. Um, yeah. I think I had like, you know, higher expectations of guys like Seth Lugo and that's why they get worse grades. Um, whereas Miguel Castro, I think I like the first half Miguel Castro, I never expected. And he came out of absolutely nowhere and he like really saved the Mets ass in a lot of those games. Like, yes, like Harper says that he was used mostly in low leverage situations. I disagree with that. No, I have an assessment true. completely. I think Harper forgets a lot of the first half of the season that Seriously. I seem to remember because yeah. Miguel Castro pitched some fairly high leverage innings in the first half because I think he's forgetting how many one run games the Mets played in that like, Oof. yeah, maybe Miguel Castro was pitching the seventh instead of the ninth, but it was still a two to one game or whatever. And I think that he pitched in plenty of high leverage situations and did well. And you know, he was a guy who I had seen pitch as an Oriole. And so I had a lot of experience with the Miguel Castro experience, as they say. (laughs) Um, And he walked a lot of guys and like would walk the bases loaded and would just walk dudes, walk in runs. And he managed to mostly not do that for the Mets, except, you know, post sticky stuff that came back a little bit, but was never quite as bad as his days on the Orioles. I, he, he exceeded my personal expectations. So I'm going to give him a B. Um, but I think a C plus is fair given his final stat line. Although like many of the other Mets relievers, he basically had a three and a half ERA. <laughs> like, he, was, yeah. he had 3.45 ERA. Like that was the entire Mets bullpen. They were fine. Um, I also I give him credit for being a vaccinated King too. Yes, absolutely. And mm-hmm. took his picture and everything. Yep. And yeah, they, he let them use it for on Twitter. So good for him. Um, the final two things to grade are the front office as a group. And oh, 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 I'm going to have fun with this one. Uh, Rojas, I do feel bad for because I think he he wasn't a good in-game manager, but I feel like he did everything else well, which is, I know, like managing the game is your main job. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he he always like. You know, he called out a lot of things. Like when Strowman was getting crap, he he defended Strowman. Um, he always had his players' backs, and mm-hmm. I just think he was just put in an awful situation. Um, 
I'll give him a C minus. That's what Harper gave him also. I was going to say, I'm going to be generous and give him a B minus. Um, just because uh, to me, the in-game management was not as bad as it was made out to be. Um, just because, again, look at all the one-run games and look at all the players that did not perform up to expectations. That's not on him. Yeah. Um, he came into this, onto this team. I, I, I completely did not realize he was only 38 years old, first off. Um, he came into this last year as the second choice after the whole Beltran Astros mess. He came in during a pandemic, which, I mean, your rookie managing year is tough to begin with. Coming in during a pandemic, I can't even imagine. And he held himself together with a plum, I think. Um, and... Same thing this year. There were just some, it was strange circumstances just um, coming into this year, coming off the pandemic. Um, I would have liked to see him get another year just to see if maybe he could work out his in-game management just because I still think he was he's inexperienced enough where I, I think he could adapt and improve. Um, so I'm giving him a B minus. That's my long ass explanation. I think I'll give him generous. a C. Um, basically, I mean, like it comes down to again, like there were certain things about him that were F, <laughs> and there was, and there were like certain things about him that were unfairly blamed on him, like a lot of the underperformance of the team, which is Kelly yeah. said is not his fault. Yeah. Um, and I also think, but I think that there are some things that I significantly will ding him for. One being not his in-game managing all the time as a whole ever. Like he wasn't Mickey Calloway bad in my view at the in-game managing, but he made some like straight up, like indefensible choices in game um, that I just were perplexing that he didn't do it every day. He didn't even do it most of the time, but occasionally uh, not. Uh, he probably did more than occasionally that's being kind somewhat frequently he made some really bad decisions that were pretty you know perplexing um i also think i mean again i'm not in that clubhouse so i i always feel icky about like speculating about clubhouse stuff because i think that people do that too much and i don't think it's like fair to ever speculate on whether a manager lost the clubhouse or not um because on one hand i think the guys really like him it seems like it seems like they like like playing for him. But I also think that there were some indicators that things were a little out of control this year and he was not reining them in, such as the rat raccoon situation, such as like, you know, the when the thumbs down thing happened. Now, obviously, I'm not expecting like Luis Rojas to like manage fan feelings and all that stuff like that. That whole debacle was a media made scandal, but the fact that he didn't know what the thumbs down meant looked really bad. I thought 
like I kind of thought it made it look like the players were just like off on their own doing their own thing. And he was just like completely clueless to the clubhouse dynamics that were going on. And it was pretty clear that the clubhouse is sort of clicky um, and that like Lindor was like running things behind the scenes a little bit. Now, I mean, you know, Lindor's your $340 million player. He is a leader in the clubhouse and he deserves, you know, accolades for that. I'm not saying that Lindor being a leader is a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I think that like when it gets to the point where people are looking to him instead of the manager, that's not always a good a good an indicator of a healthy clubhouse environment um and again i for me i think that was that's part that's his oh my god i can't speak part of that is because he's so young yeah in terms of in terms of yeah. inexperienced so again i would have liked to i think and this is going to be an unpopular opinion that many people are going to disagree with i would have liked to see his, have seen his option picked up just to see if he could have gotten a little more, if he learned from his mistakes. Because I, I think he could have, and I'm definitely curious to see what he does in the future. Linda, what grade are you giving Luis Rojas? Uh, I think I gave him a C minus. You gave him, oh, you yes, did C-minus. already. I'm yes. sorry. Yes. I, well, we talked for about front. him for so long that I lost track. Um, front office. For, uh, oh. Yeah, so... I mean, Can I just give Hefner an A? Is Hefner yeah, a- Hefner deserves yes. an A. Um, okay. And I think, and I, and um, there was an indicator, um, there was rumors this week that um, Hefner, of all the coaches, Hefner is the most likely to be retained. Um, for those of you who you better be. have not been paying attention to the Mets rumors and news lately, Luis Rojas' option was not picked up. So, um, we're talking about Luis Rojas's grades, but he will not be next manager next season. He people are like, he wasn't fired. His option wasn't picked up. And I'm like, that's effectively a firing. Yeah. He's basically fired. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, as far as what Kellyanne said about how she, she wished that she, she, we, she could have seen him back. I don't necessarily, I don't share that opinion, but I also like, I'm so, I mean, different is the sad part. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like, Eh, okay. Like, I don't think, I think a lot of things were unfairly laid on him, but I'm also not like my heart isn't broken that he's not coming back. I just fear that they're going to pick someone even worse. <laughs> That's yeah. always I mean, the fear I'm, with the Mets, right? I mean, yeah. I'm seeing Wally Backman. But she people want, processes. like, no, guys. I, no. I saw a rumor about Brad Osmus, and I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. He's been one of the worst managers of the past, like, five years. My like, boss is a Tigers fan. She would tell me horror stories about Brad Osmus is not a good manager, and the Mets are, like, there was, there was this, again, this was a rumor. This is not bearing on reality, but. Brad Osmus, are you serious, man? No, there's and a I'm reason seeing, why he didn't get a job after that. And I'm yep. seeing a lot of like pining for dudes who are retired, like like Bochi and like freaking no. Buck Showalter. And I'm like, no, do you really want to see Buck Showalter manage Francisco Lindor? I'm sorry. No, no what they um, have to do is they have to hire Buck Showalter and fire him because then <laughs> the team always wins after they fire Buck Showalter. Oh, my God. The Yankees, oh the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Anyway, but I don't know. No, we'll but see. give me. I want the front office. Let's do this. Yeah. All right. Front office grades. What's below an F? <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything below? Troll. An F? I'm. Troll. I'm. I'm giving them a Z. A so Z. <laughs> a Z. Are there right. negative grades? I was well. I was gonna say if we're sticking with the A through F 
great system i'm definitely giving them an f minus i mean to put it nicely needs improvement needs improvement uh that's putting it way too nicely needs a complete overhaul oh my god does it ever to be fair they it did seem like they wanted depth in the beginning of the year they did they did make some good moves i was gonna say they had depth and then depth all got injured yeah lucchese (laughs) was a good move yamamoto was a good move valar pilar all good moves can't argue with any of them because they seemed they legitimately knew depth was a problem especially since the Myers weren't great so they they did try to shore up the team which they did that was probably the only good thing though and it was and then they then the scandal set in. Ugh, then, all of them. Then they couldn't pivot at the trade deadline because they got bad news on Jake. So they just said, fuck it and left. I mean, uh, to be fair, their deadline acquisitions did really well. The ones they did, they did get. Javier Baez was one of the best players in that had in the second half. And Trevor Williams, like, I mean, he yeah, bad. he was, he was, you know, he was Trevor Williams, but he was like fine. <laughs> yeah. So, but it wasn't enough. No, but maybe no. nothing would have been enough. I'm, I'm starting to become convinced nothing would have been enough. I mean, I'm giving the front office an F, but it's mostly based on the off-field stuff. But, yeah, like that's, no, that's I also how I feel too. That's mostly it. Just leads to sour tasting. Harper but. gives them a D, and he says in the last <laughs> sentence, "Can't ignore the firing of Jared Porter or Scott's DUI arrest in September." Like, can't ignore. Yeah, tell me about it. That should be the central like part of your grading here. <laughs> yeah, and going after Trevor Bauer and right. ignoring George Springer and ignoring Ray Muto. Yeah, like when you think about what they could have done instead, like did they did they make like some solid signings, including like Aaron Loop? Got to give them credit for that. Aaron Loop was great for cheap. Yeah. Jonathan VR was, was really okay. good for yeah. cheap. Like they made some good moves I at the fringes. But their big and the and the Lindor trade, you know, we'll see how that plays out in the end. I don't think you can make a verdict on that either way yet. But like the big the big offseason like acquisition, I mean, Lindor was the big offseason acquisition, but the big free agent signing was James McCann. That yep. was a disaster. Oy, that was bad. That was a disaster. Was and like when you think about what they could have done instead, they went hard after McCann instead of Real Muto. They went hard after Bauer and just got lucky they didn't end up with him. That they, was pure like, dumb luck. And they the seem to just ignore George Springer for some reason. Yeah, like must be nice to be. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the Blue Jays missed the playoffs too, but not by as much. <laughs> no, they they were ninety one. They were ninety win team. And if the Mets had won 90 games, they would have been in the playoffs. Like George was hurt and still had more war than Conforto. I mean, I also think the game has just Sandy needs to retire. Absolutely. I mean, and it was, it was at first glance, it was nice that Cohen hired him for the nostalgia and for, Oh, for the nostalgia. That was it. Because by the end, by the end of his Mets tenure, Sandy was like not making good decisions. So uh, he just, uh, but aside, aside from the off the field stuff, which needs to be the focus, he, the game's just, the game's just not, it's modern. It's too modern for him now. <laughs> and I don't think he's accepted that. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, and I don't trust any of his hires. No. The exactly. Callaway was one of his hires. Porter was his hire. Zach Scott was his hire. 
He's got also some internal issues too that like the the lesser known coaches I think yeah. how much, there were at, I believe at least two that either were fired or resigned. I can't Did remember David which. David Newman who multiple women had complained about, he rehired. So I don't I don't trust his judgment no. in baseball matters or just in judging a person and if they're no. not a complete sack of shit. Yep. <sighs> so Linda, you gave an F. Yes, F minus. F minus, F minus. I'm going to put Z in parentheses. Z's improvement. <laughs> and, then, and then, Allison, what was your grade? F. Okay. By the way, worth noting, this is like kind of a side note, but one of the, one of the many managerial candidates that's been thrown out about the Mets, uh, regarding the Mets, is Ron Washington. Ron Washington left the Rangers over legal issues from alleged oh, good sexual God. assault. Oh, so, good God. Like, can we stop? Can and we the stop for three seconds too. with Feel- the dudes who are sex pests or are associated with sex pests? Can we stop? Yeah, anyway. Clearly, they don't care about changing the culture. They do not. Um, no. With regards to the latest rumors on all of this, they will not make a managerial hire either way until they hire a president of baseball operations because the president of baseball operations is who will be making that managerial hire. Um, And the last time we talked about this, it was down to basically like the three, not three finalists because they haven't actually interviewed anyone yet, but like three guys they really want. Um, It's Billy Bean, Theo Epstein and David Stearns. And it's still those three guys. Um, But there's been some developments about, you know, how strong these rumors are around each of them. Billy Bean said to like A's media, it's all press reports, end quote, at this point, but would not actually confirm nor deny the rumors. <laughs> so it's kind of like, sounds like I you can't know, say something. anything. Um, and there was an actual, you know, report from uh, Puma of the Post that the Mets will speak to Theo Epstein soon about mm-hmm. Theo. So like they are going to talk to both of those guys for certain. Um, And Heyman, John Heyman tweeted today that the consensus is the Mets have, quote, best chance to land Bean of those top three. Bean Seriously, everybody's like talking about Billy Bean. I don't think he's leaving the A's. Not for one second. I don't know. Uh, I think he could be persuaded. If he's the president of baseball operations next year, I will... I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I'll do something. Be careful. What? Does this mean I have to watch Moneyball now? You've I never seen Moneyball? Money- no. Really? I mean, it's not bad. It's a good movie. The, the book is good. As much as I like hate, I mean, like, again, I don't like hate analytics. I like analytics. Uh, we all know this. Like, I'm an analytically minded person. This is an analytically minded podcast and an analytically minded site. I don't necessarily like Moneyball being taken to like its logical like conclusion, like all yeah. the way, <laughs> um, which is like how the Tampa Bay Rays like operate basically. Um, but like it has its usefulness and it was a good, it was a good movie. It was an entertaining film. I recommend it to any basically. Yes. Fan. It was great. Um, so yeah. Um, Art Howe's the bad guy in it, by the way. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> if he's the manager. If Billy Bean is the president, I will drink more than two glasses of wine. Excellent. Um, if he's the, if he gets hired, I will watch Money. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
it, what's funny is that Stearns is actually the guy of the group I want the most. And yeah, he's the guy so. I mentioned when like someone asked us in our Q&A, like, who would you like to see? I said Stearns. And I would love to see that. But I actually think he's the least likely to be pulled away from his current team, which is in the playoffs. So and that's part of the reason why we haven't heard any rumors about him. It's not just because like you know, they've, it's not just because the other two are more likely, although that's also true. It's because they literally can't talk to David Stearns right now because he's, his team is in the playoffs. Still. But I think the <sighs> Brewers already said no last year. too. They said so. no last time. So yeah, I expect so. they will say no again, but we shall see. Um, anyway, that was a really overlong Mets segment that I'd not, yes. I did not expect yeah. the grades to take that long. So you know. I know they took really long. I love it. We will now move on to our baseball segment, which I will do rapid fire now. Um, All right. (laughs) We have basically two items. Um, The first one is I I mentioned in the uh, when we had the live show, when we had the live dollars for dinger show that there was a really good article written about Trevor Bauer recently. It's kind of like old hat now, not old hat, but like it's it's older news now because it was written in late September and we all know how fast things move these days. Um, So everyone who is interested in reading it has probably already read it. But I'm not uh, but I'm still going to give it a shout because I think it deserves a shout. It's um, from Sports Illustrated um, and it's uh, the title of it is How to Judge Trevor Bauer. um, And it's penned by uh, Michael Rosenberg. And I think it's well worth a read. Um, There's a lot in there and it is very rich in detail. And it's uh, a wash with content warnings because there's some graphic descriptions of, you know, what happened and also some, you know, a lot of talk about BDSM relationships. So, you know, not appropriate for younger audiences and, you know, content warnings if it's triggering for you and things like that. Um, but is well worth it because they they bring in a lot of BDSM experts to talk about what happened. And I think that that's a perspective that's been missing in a lot of the discussion. Um, so, you know, more or less the BDS ex- BDSM experts weighed in and said, like, you know, in order to practice a healthy BDSM encounter, you have to set very specific boundaries, which were not set in this case. And therefore this was not acceptable behavior for any healthy BDSM relationship. And if Trevor Bauer did what he did and he would be ostracized from any, you know, BDSM or kink community, more or less. Um, and it, the, the, the other point that was made in that article that I thought was really salient was that one of the experts said that like the Me Too movement, for example, is precedent for, quote, people's justice, um, they called it, which I think is a really good phrase. Um, like, even if these people don't face criminal consequences, even if Trevor Bauer ultimately is not convicted of a crime, he can still be made into a pariah. Um, people do this in the BDSM community when abuser- abusers, you know, use it as a vehicle for their abuse. They make those people into pariahs as what should happen. And we will see we will see if Trevor Bauer is made into a pariah in baseball. But he should be regardless of what happens in his criminal proceedings. Well, it already it- seemed like the clubhouse didn't want him back. So that was yeah. at least a start. And I think in baseball, like among a large segment of baseball fans he's done. Yeah. Like, which is good. And I don't, I mean, we still don't know, um, what, uh, suspension he will be handed a suspension by major league baseball. Almost certainly we still don't know the length of said suspension. We know it's going to be lengthy based on rumors and what, um, uh, Passon has said 
will probably happen, but we don't know the exact um, suspension yet, but we'll see. Um, but I just really want, I, I think people should read that article. It's really well done. It has a lot of detail and a lot of perspectives, interviews from experts who've like researched this for a living, like, you know, like sexuality experts, all that stuff. Um, I think it's well worth a read. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, we will link it in the show notes and the tweets. Um, the other major item is that, you know, we have talked about this on the podcast many times, so this is nothing new, but again, more and more attention is being brought to the conditions that minor leaguers are facing. And I think it's really, really good that these articles are being written in national media. And it's not just like, you know, advocates for minor leaguers tweeting, which is great. And they, you know, they've done a lot of really good work in helping to bring this to light. But these are more and more of these articles are coming out every single week. And I think it's just cranking up the pressure as we head into a really, you know, contentious off season with the collective bargaining agreement, unionize the goddamn miners. They cannot collectively bargain. So all they have is speaking out in these articles. That's all they have. They don't have any other power. Um, And there were two um, articles this week that I think are worth your time. One of them was from, from June Lee of ESPN. Um, He wrote about um, both of them really focus on, um, on the one, uh, the one guy from the angels. Oh my God, what's his name? Why am I blanking on his name? I even have it. Love Grove, um, who has like a really horrific story of, you know, I won't go into details, but he, he made a suicide attempt on his own life at like at one point because his conditions were so desperate and he was having such a hard time. And it was just indicative of the mental health crisis that he was going through. It had to do with his the financial strain on his life and the fact that he was a bisexual man and he was not out until 2019. And so he was struggling with that. Um, And there was a lot going on and he spoke candidly about these experiences. And I think that back in July, he spoke about these experiences and it's these articles have sort of been follow-ups to see like what effect it has had and more and more players are speaking out um, about it. Um, and in the the Lee article on ESPN, there is a couple of like quotes and tidbits from Mets minor leaguers who are not named in the piece. But uh, one specific portion says one minor leaguer in the New York's New York Mets system said says he has become homeless. Uh, he became homeless after the 2019 season, bouncing between four couches over four months with a suitcase and a truck. He spent two months looking uh, looking for work before landing three part time jobs. Because of his the unusual nature of his career, he could not get approved for a lease for two months because he did not have a pay stub or from a current source of income. And he said he didn't sleep for a week because all he could think about is how he couldn't like afford anything like to live. And so like that's just not a thing that should happen. It's just not. Um, it's we just discussed um, McCutcheon wearing the wristband. Yeah, and I think, think Bo Bichette made, did as well. Yeah, I was going to say another a, a couple did too. There have been, I think, at least four, and I can't – shame on me that I can't remember who they are. Yeah, I, just, I remember but McCutcheon, more, yeah. But more and more are realizing this. I, I don't know if there will be enough – and no, it's probably not happening. This is really wishful thinking on my part that the major leagues will say something about it in the collective bargaining agreement this winter, but they won't. Oh, it was Jose Ramirez. Yeah, Jose um, Ramirez. Um, and Skip Schumacher was the first coach manager to wear the wristband on San Diego. Yeah. Um, Jason Hayward. So like, there, there was a few. Bo Bichette. Yeah, there's, there, there, at least, you know, it's gaining 
traction. traction yeah. It's gaining some traction. Like some guys are wearing the wristbands and uh, and other guys like um like big major major leaguers who like have made a lot of money have given a lot of money to the minor leaguers to help support them um in their respective organizations. Oh, and Trey which, Mancini, we forgot yes, Trey Mancini. That was, of the, course. that was the big one I was forgetting. Trey Mancini did it too. Um but yeah, in addition to the wearing the wristbands, a lot of major leaguers have kicked in money to help the minor leaguers, um, which is great um, for for the for those guys and for those organizations. But um, also shouldn't be how things are handled. It shouldn't be necessary no. because a it's just putting a band aid on the problem, like just fixing one organization doesn't fix the underlying systemic issue. And b actually a Mets minor leaguer is quoted in the piece in, as saying, "I don't want to take any of these guys' money. They earned that money. I don't want to see a penny from these guys. They deserve that. They have their own families to take care of. Like it's not their problem. It's the league's problem and the teams and the individual teams' problem. It's not." the players problem who have made money feel the need to like, it's great that they're donating and it's a good thing, but like they shouldn't have to. And where um, was, and where is Cohen? He said he was looking into the problem. How long does it take? They to- gave the Mets a retro, they gave the Mets minor leaguers a retroactive, like $300 a month housing stipend, but they're still oh, not paying them lovely. a goddamn living wage. Yeah. So it's like half measures as usual. Um, And, you know, like I said at the beginning at the top, like, they need to unionize the minors. It's the only way because MLB is the only major American sport with an antitrust exemption, which is what part of what allows this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, uh, a former minor leaguer turned agent who is quoted in the pieces saying, this is the only industry where your employer can control you for up to 14 years and you have absolutely no say. You can't go to work for someone else. You can't find better pay. Nothing. Um and that's a problem. And the antitrust exemption should be looked into. And, you know, the, there have been quotes from Supreme Court justices, current sitting Supreme Court justices that have, you know, indicated that they are willing to hear this issue in court and potentially take away the antitrust exemption, um, which I think would be a good development for the game. Um, but MLB will fight very hard against that, obviously. Um And as we head into the collective bargaining agreement, Bill Fletcher Jr. of the Advocates for Minor Leaguers said that the labor dynamics for minor leaguers are, quote, a fight for the soul of the game. And he's absolutely right. Like, this is America's pastime. This should not be this way, that we are treating human beings this way. It's unconscionable and bad. Um, The other piece that I want to highlight is from Sam Blum of The Athletic. Um, He specifically zeroed in on the Angels system. Um to kind of like follow up with after Lovegrove spoke out to see if more guys are speaking out and they are. Um, There's a player, Michael Cruz, who's quoted heavily in that article. Um, And, you know, he said there have been many uh, cases like Lovegrove's. Thankfully he's still here and still alive. I'm grateful for that. But how many more, how many more cases of depression do we need to have in order for this to change? And Cruz specifically said that he lost 12 pounds this year because of a lack of uh, access to healthy food, which is just ridiculous. Like he literally said in the article, help us. We need help. Like yeah, begging. That was for heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I like I had a hard time reading that piece because it was just like so it was so hard to read. It was like just humans out here begging their organizations to recognize their humanity. And it just shouldn't happen. Um, worth noting that the angels declined multiple interview requests for that story. <laughs> of course they did. Did not course. respond to any questions related to the topics present, uh, presented and very little appeared to change like uh, 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 as far as the angels are concerned. Although 
Lovegrove was worried that he would get like immediately released and he wasn't. Uh, so at least there's that. Like he didn't face like retribution for having spoken out. But like, you know, just fixing the angels or just fixing any individual organization doesn't help anything. And it doesn't seem like they're going to be do any they're going to do anything unless they're forced. So we need to keep forcing the issue. Yep. Yeah. Keep talking about it. I was going to say, Cohen, where are you? You said every, you were looking into it. Every time Cohen tweets something, I'm just like, I quote tweet and I'm just like, pay the minor leaguers. Yeah, but Michael's been doing the same thing. And I'm like, hell yeah. Just pay the minor leaguers. We don't care about um, who you thought the source was. Just pay the minor leaguers. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> that. That happened like less than two weeks ago. And like, I already forgot about that. Yeah, There's um, so okay. much stuff going on. We're not even, we don't even have time to get into that on the podcast. Anyway, no. <laughs> there was a story where a source was quoted about the Mets and like, they're going to have trouble hiring someone because of Cohen's tweets and Cohen like tried to out who the source was and was wrong about it, apparently, <laughs> which is wild. He um, needs to... Ugh. Just pay the minor leaguers. Just pay the minor leaguers. Shh, shh, shh. He, Stop tweeting. He's, he's an owner still trying to be like one of the come off as a normal fan. It's like, no. I know. No. no. Um, you own a baseball team. You're out here tweeting. Um, anyway, uh, before we do walk off wins, I just want to thank everyone again who pledged um, in our Dollars for Dingers campaign this year. It was wildly successful. In fact, our most yes. successful yes. Dollars for Dingers yet. Um, between people like rounding up their pledges that they said that they would pledge and a couple of people's employers matching their their donation. Um, we have officially reached $12,314 to benefit the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So thank you all so, so much um, to everyone who pledged. Beyond words, incredible. You guys are yes. great. You always show up. And all the extras too that people pledge. I know. Those are and those are so yeah. Those are fun to keep. Those are oh my god. Those are challenging to keep track of, but fun to keep track of. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And people were so creative with what they came up with too. Yes, I know. Yes, they were. I know. So good. Um. So thank you, everybody. Um. I sent out messages to remind everyone of their individual donation totals so that you don't have to go look for it yourselves. I DM'd you or I emailed you. So check your DMs and emails if you haven't seen it yet. Um. For your pledge total. Um, thank you all so much. Um, we will end the show like we always do with walk off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk off win for this week? Well, currently mine's currently in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the Red Sox beating the Yankees right now in the wild card game. I'm enjoying that. (laughs) That's my walk off win at the moment. Hopefully that stands because they're only in what I think the top seven. Yeah, they're at the top of the seventh. So getting close. Yeah. Yeah. Need that. To happen. I just I just want the Yankees out. Yeah. I just want the Yankees yeah, out. I don't want to hear about them all October. Like, no, I don't want to see their devil magic like the New England Patriots have. No. Yeah, it's Annoying. Yeah, it's just a miserable time for everybody. Yes. Yeah, and like all the Yankees fans complained about how this is like the worst Yankee season ever and they still made the playoffs. Made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, anyway, Linda Cervich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win is it's my niece's birthday. Um, 
October 7th. So in two days. Two days. Yes. Happy well, early by, birthday. Yeah. So by the time people listen to this, it'll be the next day. Um, so happy birthday, Emily. She's turning eight, which <gasps> is um she just seems so old. Like she's not a little girl anymore. But she is. I know, but um, yeah, she's she's the best. She's just so funny and when she gets going, it's it's hysterical just to watch her. Um, so yeah, so happy birthday to Emily. Uh, Aunt Winda, as she calls me, is very proud Aww. of you and loves you. And I can't believe you're eight already. Um, so that's my uncle. But I mean, it just seems like yesterday she was so tiny and now <laughs> she's so big. And she did. Um, uh, she's, they got a kitten. Um, when was it back in August? And that kitten is totally hers. My sister keeps sending me pictures of the two of them together. So I'm very happy that she finally got a new kitten too. So that's adorable. Yeah. So happy birthday, Emily. Happy birthday to Emily. Happy birthday. My walk-off win this week, I kind of alluded to it, is that I had um, I went to a wedding over the weekend, and it was very lovely. It was like a second iteration of this wedding because everyone's doing that due to COVID. Oh. Um, I was at I was one of the few people that was at both iterations because I was in the wedding party for this wedding. Um, but it was nice to be able to actually celebrate my friend Amanda um, and her husband John with all of our friends there. Um, the first time it was just like. Me and the and my one other really close friend in the bridal party and the rest of Amanda's family, which was lovely and we had a nice time, but it was even better having all of our friends there. So it was it was just a nice time. So congratulations to Amanda and John. I hope you enjoy actually getting to go on a honeymoon this time. They're going to Hawaii um, and I hope they have a nice time. So it was that's lovely. It was a lovely wedding. So I enjoyed myself. That's my walk off win. Um. In the future, we will be returning to our kind of off-season schedule uh, with the pod. So we'll probably do like an every other week situation. Um, if there are specific uh, like things you want to hear us do in the off-season, like fun little side podcasts, let us know. Uh, we always love to hear your ideas. Email us, aa.apodoftheirown at gmail.com. Let us know um, if you want to hear from us. I know we got an email this week and we had too much other stuff to cover, but maybe I'll cover that in the next show. I know we got an email. I started. So I think it was Tom that sent it. Tom, I got your email. I'm sorry. We will, <laughs> we will cover it. Um, but yeah, if you guys want anything else, uh, let us know um, on the show during the off season, like fun side things. I think I'm thinking that we should do another book pod for the captain because I yes. am going to read that this off season. So yeah. Um, we need to have another uh, another book pod, I'm thinking. Um, yeah. But Agree. In the meantime, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com. We will have all of the 2021 post-mortem for you um, over there. We already have one piece up about how things might have been if the Mets had just been a little healthier, which probably would have been better. Um, we already have that. Um, I have the final meters for you guys, and I'm going to do like end-of-season meters and stuff like that. We have lots of all the off-season rumors and analysis, the usual, like, you know, player evaluations and things like that, all the off-season content is going up for you. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pot of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Kellyanne? 
at L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. You can also subscribe to the show, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.